0: And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2 C. It's a Friday afternoon, so you know what that means. It's time to talk all things financial, and joining me to do exactly that from Envision Financial, it's Luke Smith. Good afternoon. How are you, mate? All right? Very well. It's a Friday afternoon, our favourite favourite time of the week. That's it. And uh, we're looking forward to knock off time because, well, after that, you can enjoy all the bliss and uh, the uh, the tranquility of a couple of whole <laughs> days of not having to do a damn thing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, if only, if only But you know what, we'll take the wins where we can get them at the moment We're not in isolation, we're not locked up and The sun's still shining.
0: Things uh, things are better here than they are in a lot of places, absolutely. Mm. So we've got to be careful about that. The sun is shining today. It's a really nice day today. Yeah, Bad news for you, though. Rain on the weekend.
1: Oh, wonderful. (laughs) There we go. The big fellow up there never liked golf, did he? Yeah, there goes the golf game.
0: (laughs) Today we're talking about something, um, well, it sounds pretty terrible, but it's actually important, Mm. binding death nominations. And no, it's not like a game of Survivor where you nominate who you want to die. It's uh, something a little bit bit less frivolous than that. Mm. And it's to do with who benefits from your super when it's time for you to depart this physical world.
1: Yeah, correct. Look, this is is really important because we have a will for our assets and we go and see a solicitor and they draw up what we'd like to do with all of our goods and chattels and houses and cars and anything else you want to leave to kids. Um, And it's important to remember that your will does not provide direction for your superannuation or pension assets. And when I say pension assets, I'm not talking about the age pension, I'm talking about taking an income stream from accumulated superannuation. So a binding death nomination is exactly that. It's a binding nomination on the trustee of the fund that removes their discretion to pay the money to somebody else. So it's it's really, really important that, that people understand that. And obviously, there's some fairly stringent paperwork requirements to make that nomination. Um There's also another way that you can make a nomination, and that's called a non-binding nomination. And I'd refer that to as more of a guideline. This is what I'd like to happen. Right. But the trustee of the super fund can still have discretion if something was challenged, for example, and they felt that they had a need to pay money to a third party, right. where you have a non-binding nomination, there's the potential for that to mm. occur.
0: If you're quite certain where you want the money to go, though, why would you choose to make a non-binding non-binding nomination?
1: A lot of it happens really because through sheer accident. Um, not understanding the difference and potentially ticking the wrong box on the Superfund paperwork can be one of the, the key reasons why somebody doesn't have the right sort of nomination. Um, a little bit of confusion or... There just hasn't been a direct nomination made because a lot of people think that it'll be covered under my will, so I don't need to do anything. And when they find that out, this there's, oh, there's that oh, um, oh uh, uh let's get it sorted moment. Um, All so
0: right. I'll, so in that case, then in the absence of a nomination, what does happen to it if it's not part of your will? Not part of your will, it doesn't go into your estate as such. Um, how, how is it dealt with?
1: Uh, you know what? That's actually a really good question. <laughs> I would I would assume that you would end up in court. Yeah. Um, And there would be general legal principle that would be applied in a similar vein to those that do not have a will. Right. Um, But I'd often say to clients, don't leave that to chance just in case, if you know where you want things to go. And what we generally find is most people have a fairly simple outlook on these things. I want the money to go to my spouse, or I want the money to go to my children, or I want the money to go to my estate.
0: Okay. So you can actually nominate it to go to your estate, and then you will... We'll cover it.
1: Correct. Exactly <laughs> right. And that's that's very important where you're trying to control the transfer of assets across multiple generations. Um, it's also important in relation to the potential implications of who receives the money um, because there are some very specific rules around, you know, who is a dependent for superannuation purposes. And the one thing that I would stress that people remember is what is a dependent under the super law is not the same under the tax law. Ah, Okay, That's a so, tricky point. Yeah, and we can touch on this after the break. But it's it's very important to think about what your broader estate planning wishes are because a binding death nomination is a way to control the distribution of money from super. Yeah, um, It's also a way then of removing the discretion of the trustee because obviously the super fund controls those monies for the person who's a member of the fund. And if you can use a binding nomination correctly, it can ensure that you can transition that asset to to a third party or love one family member, estate, whatever it may be. Um, But you need to keep in mind that there could be tax consequences depending on who the money's paid to.
0: Is making a nomination similar to writing a will in that perhaps could you, for example, nominate more than one person to share in the uh, proceeds of your superannuation? Could you nominate succession so that you, my wife first, but if she doesn't survive, then my children, that sort of thing?
1: Generally, what happens is you make a nomination to somebody that's deemed to be a dependent. So a child, a loved one, family member, somebody's in an independent relationship or financially dependent on you. Um, you can also make a bonding nomination to your estate. Yeah. So if you did want somebody that is not a direct dependent of yours to receive or benefit from the monies, then you may have part of your estate planning process to have your super fund paid to the estate. And then as you said before, then it would be wrapped up by your will. And the trustee or the, the executor of your will would then be able to disperse assets. You can also make multiple nominations. So if you had three children, for example, you could chop the beneficiary nomination up into thirds. yes. Um, you could leave one off. you could have it paid to two kids. Um, the third one may get a little upset about that wouldn't but,
0: wouldn't that be a guarantee to litigation? Well exactly, <laughs> but it probably wouldn't be your
1: problem um, because you're not here. So exactly you know there's a lot of flexibility in relation to how this works. But I can't stress enough that it's important to understand what your broader estate planning wishes are. Have I completed the paperwork correctly? And the other thing people need to be mindful of is a binding nomination can lapse. All right. And you need to check. Depending on the super fund that you're in, a lot of these were traditionally a three-year duration and then they lapsed. So you needed to renew that binding nomination every three years. However, a lot of super funds have sort of improved this area of their service offering and now they have what they call a non-lapsing nomination so that you can make it once and it would stay in place to avoid that accidental lapsing of a nomination because you didn't renew it every three years.
0: Okay, well, that's obviously a very important point. So you'd need to make sure that it's not going to be one of those... uh Uh, time-limited nominations Mm -hmm. and you want to make sure it's a non-lapsing nomination. So what are some of the other things that people need to be considering when they choose the person to be their nomination?
1: Yeah, so one key thing I think we just touched on before is obviously make sure it's in line with your estate planning. Um, That's very, very important. Make sure you have a non-binding or a non-lapsing binding nomination for greater control. Um, Also consider the tax implications because you can have a nomination to a child and if a child is If a child receives the benefits uh, and they are over the age of 18, they may incur a tax liability depending on the tax components of your fund. Right. So without getting too far into the the composition of your super assets, as I said before, a child is always the dependent under the super law. A child up to the age of 18 or studying to the age of 25 is generally deemed a dependent under the tax law. Anything over that you're deemed to be non-dependent, so you could incur tax at a rate of 17% if mum and dad left you some money in their super fund. So have an understanding of where you can go and get some advice from your your family solicitor because there may be tax advantages to nominate the beneficiary to a younger person to avoid any sort of tax that's paid. Um, but again, it needs to be done as part of your broader estate planning goals.
0: All right. So um, are there other important points that might uh, present pitfalls for people?
1: Yeah. So the other thing you need to think about as well is if you have an income stream from superannuation and you're in pension phase, the account may be deemed to be reversionary. And what that means is in the unlikely event of your death, the pension structure reverts to your spouse. Now, obviously, if that's what you have in place, by default, the pension would then revert to your surviving spouse. So you may not need a binding nomination where there's just the two of you, or your primary goal is to pass your asset base to your surviving spouse. So you need to, again, think about what your why is and what your outcome is, and then make sure that the nominations that you make are in line with what you've done inside of the pension account, because the two can't really conflict, and you don't want to have any sort of ambiguity when it comes to actually deciding what happens with the balance of your superannuation in the unlikely event of your passing.
0: All right. And are there other implications uh, for superannuation here?
1: Yeah, there are. So one thing that people need to keep in mind is if you make a binding nomination to somebody and you have not used a reversionary pension, consider the implications for the person receiving the money because if the sum that you pass to them is significant, under the contribution thresholds for superannuation, you may actually be unable to get the money back into superannuation and take advantage of the tax-free status that a pension provides in a number of situations. So this is where you need to get some advice in relation to, do I have a nomination or do I have a reversionary pension? Because you want money to stay inside the super world where the primary objective is to fund the lifestyle of your surviving spouse. Whereas if it's you as an individual and you want your money to go to your children or your estate, then a bonding nomination may be your preference because you won't have anybody to make the account reversionary to. So again, it's about thinking with the big picture and understanding ultimately, where do I want the money to end up And what's the best way to be able to control that with the greatest degree of certainty?
0: Well, you've um, kind of uh, triggered me to think of a a question here which Mm. may be completely stupid. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Just let me know if it is. But is there some way of nominating, not somebody else personally, but you can nominate their superannuation so that it goes straight in? No. Can't be done?
1: No, can't be done. So it either comes out or it reverts to somebody else, right? Um, but it needs to stay inside the superannuation environment. That could be it's treated as a death benefit pension, it's reversionary, or it's paid out to dependents or an estate or a charity or whatever. You you can have it go to your estate for then your broader estate planning control, or you can have it go to a dependent under a binding nomination where you have greater certainty and you've removed the discretion of the trustee.
0: Okay, so that simplifies it a little bit. Now, obviously, I guess the key underlying message here is to don't forget, it's not included in your will unless yes. you actually nominate your estate as the beneficiary. Correct. So if you don't do that, then it's not part of your will, and Correct. therefore you need to make sure you select your nomination Correct. and select carefully.
1: And the other thing is for those out there that have got divorced recently, check your nomination,
0: oh.
1: <laughs> okay? Because if you've, if you've done the right thing and set up a non-lapsing binding nomination and something happens to you and everything's left to your uh, ex-loved one, uh, that may not be the outcome that you're after but it's often one that people forget because it's not part of the will process uh, and depending on the conversation you've had with your lawyer, it may or may not come up as, as part of a broader discussion. So just yes. remember that that's that's important and also if you roll over your benefits to another fund, you need to make a new nomination because it doesn't carry over from the last fund. So it's always a new nomination for a new fund.
0: All right. Well, that's important too. Yeah, that uh, thing about wills and divorces and marriages and so forth, I, f- I forget the legal uh, situation. i I've, I've not a lawyer, but I've had plenty of conversations with lawyers and I was told. Now, one way or the other, I'm not sure which it is, either when you get married, it invalidates your will, so you have to draw up a new will. I think that's Correct. Um, or it's the other way around. It's when you get divorced. But I, th- I think it might be when you get
1: married. Yes. I th- I th- again, I'm not a lawyer, but.
0: But it, that makes it kind of funny because when you get divorced, it doesn't. So mm. so you have to, if you mm. want to change your will, you have to make sure you remember to do that Correct. after you've been divorced. Yep. Otherwise, you might find yourself helping out somebody you didn't want to
1: help out. And exactly the same with the Bonnie nomination.
0: Okay. Well, that's important to consider as well. <laughs> so uh, what do you think are the, the key points uh, from what we've discussed so far?
1: Well, I think make sure that you understand your broader estate planning goals. Um, Make sure that you understand the tax implication if you're going to pass money to non-dependent children. Um, Or if you're going to nominate your estate, understand what the tax implications will be. Um, Consider the taxable components of the fund. So understand uh, how money will be treated depending on who it's paid to. Um, And also make sure that your paperwork is correct because you need to have two witnesses sign your nomination when you do it. They have to be over the age of 18 and obviously be able to to act as a witness and that needs to be lodged with the superannuation fund and recorded. Um, So if you're unsure, if you've got one, ring up your fund. You'll be able to get the paperwork. They can provide that to you. I'd rather know than not know, um, because generally speaking, superannuation forms one of the largest parts of your broader asset base.
0: Indeed. And yeah, making sure it's witnessed and signed correctly, it's Mm. a simple step, but if Mm. it's not done correctly, then you could uh, find yourself in all sorts of trouble.
1: Correct. Exactly right.
0: Or more importantly, your beneficiary could find themselves in all sorts of trouble. (laughs) I'm joined by Luke Smith from Envision Financial. Today, we're talking about binding death nominations, not quite as horrifying as it sounds, but certainly Certainly very important for the financial future of uh, the people you care about. Mm -hmm. Now, we've uh, spoken about uh, what a a binding death nomination actually is and uh, what we should consider when we're making that nomination. Uh, Now, Luke, what are the key strategy considerations for a binding nomination?
1: Yeah, so I think we touched on a few of these points just to sort of recap before the the break. Um, Obviously, understand the implications of where you're going to pass the money and also understand the potential tax implications of where you want the money to be passed. A dependent under the age of 18 can receive benefits without incurring a tax liability. A non-dependent under the tax law will pay tax on the money that they receive. So it's important to understand what's going to happen and where you want the money to go. It's also important to understand the underlying tax components of your fund. And what I mean by that is, Where you've been salary sacrificing over your working life, if that's the only type of contribution that you've made, that's generally treated as a taxable contribution and it has a taxable element when you pass it out of super to a non-dependent. If you've put large sums of money into superannuation as what we call a non-concessional contribution where no deduction is claimed, that money can be passed to anybody And there is no tax liability. So there are some intricacies in where the money is paid and the type of superannuation or the components of superannuation that you've accumulated over your working life. And it may be a case of actually having two separate funds if the tax implications are different depending on how money's gone into superannuation. It may be advantageous for you to run two separate funds depending on the age of the people that will receive the benefits ultimately. So you've got to think about the end at the start, or keep the end in mind as I say, um, and and tie that in with your why. Some of the other things I'd also recap on are ensure your paperwork is correct. Super funds are wildly diligent when it comes to this sort of thing. um, So make sure that it's correct, otherwise the nomination may not be valid. Check and see if it's a, a lapsing nomination that you've made and see if you can get a binding nomination because that generally eliminates any sort of accidental Um, mishap or or, or forgetting that you've you've got to renew it Um, remember if you get divorced check your nomination okay that keeps everybody happy and the kids on your side Uh, and remember that obviously it doesn't cover the super that you've accumulated through the provision of a will i can't stress that enough because so many people come in and go oh it's okay i've done my will it's all fine and when they actually find out that it has nothing to do with their will, they're actually quite concerned and actually quite shocked. So just remember that your super has nothing to do with your will unless you make a nomination to the estate. At which point, then the will would kick in, and the executors of your will would then be able to add the superannuation proceeds to the pool of assets that they'll be looking to disperse through the direction of your will. So keep those things in mind. Um, make sure that yeah, say so your your broader estate planning is considered. And also, look at what sort of nomination you've made in your fund. If you've started an income stream and it's reversionary, then you don't need to worry about a binding nomination because that would pass from myself to my wife because it's reversionary when it's commenced and that will keep the money inside superannuation. The other big point that we touched on before the break is that if you're going to pay the money out of superannuation through a binding nomination, consider the implications and the age of the person receiving it because if it is to go to a loved one, say a spouse, and you've got the setup of your account incorrect, if you paid out a million dollars as a bonding nomination, your spouse would be unable to get the money back into a concessional environment that is superannuation. So understand what you want to try and achieve and how you can do it because a binding nomination is just one way to pass assets in pension phase to a loved one Uh, a reversionary pension may be another option that can keep the money in super and then obviously ensure that it's tax-free and the last one is think about the transfer balance cap implications because 1.6 million dollars is the most we can have in super and get a tax-free pension if you're going to receive an income stream from a loved one and you already have a significant asset base there could be tax implications in relation to your total asset value uh, and you need to make sure that you address that appropriately.
0: And I guess even if you have uh, made certain that your nomination is a non-lapsing nomination, it's still a good idea to go back and review your nomination on a regular basis to make sure you mm. haven't uh, changed your mind about who you want to be the yeah, beneficiary.
1: Look, exactly. Um, you know things things change over time and and, and people get sick and we, we we keep some loved ones we lose some loved ones and everything in between but just like a will you know you obviously need to be reviewing investments and assets structures and and the appropriateness of what you've got and a binding nomination is no different it's important to stay on top of it and make sure that it's in line with what you want indeed so where do we go for more information well you can go to, uh, give us a ring in the office six two six zero four seven four nine. 4749 barb can always uh, fit something in the diary we've got the podcast the strategy stacker, Luke Talks Money on iTunes and Spotify. We've got the YouTube channel, uh, Envision Financial Canberra, where we've got the footage of the show and the key takeouts of each of the sections. And obviously, um, you can register for our upcoming budget special. We've got envisionfinancial.com.au forward slash budget. Uh, That's where we're going to start our budgeting program for six months to help people get an understanding of what their expenses are, what their cash flow is, and try and sustain some of those savings that they've seen through lockdown and COVID. But to give people clarity around well, what do I actually need so that we can work towards finding the number pre-retirement?
0: Fantastic. Luke, thanks very much. We'll catch you again next week. See you next week.